This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Wednesday. Let me verify that. Yes, it is indeed Wednesday. I never know. Sometimes I fall asleep on the couch in the middle of the day. When I wake up, I don't know what fucking day it is. It'll be like halfway between day and night. What do they call that? The dusk time? Like, oh shit! What day is it? That's just me. Welcome to the Troll Patrol! Live! It's a freaking... Oh, I already did that part, didn't I? (laughs) Uh, It's not even Friday for you yet. Why am I on early? It's not Friday. It's not Friday. It's not Friday. Sparkles, Sparkles and I would be getting dinner if this was a Friday at this time. No, 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 no. I would be waiting on Sparkles to walk through the door so we could get dinner. Oh, she's like, I'm on my way, I swear. That's that's what would be going on. I'm glad you're here, Warlord. We're going to talk about your boy. Oh, Boris is in some uh, hot water over there. Apparently there are calls for the Prime Minister UK to resign. Down with Boris. Like, okay, so, like, there's a trend going on here with European prime ministers. Finland's prime minister is apologizing for going out clubbing and violating COVID restrictions. Pfizer's released data on the boosters that is encouraging for the Omicron variants. The Senate is poised to pass a bipartisan piece of legislation to kill the Joe Biden vaccine mandates. We're going to talk about the fight over Lauren Boebert and her anti-Semitic comments. Land that was seized for Trump's border wall has been returned to the family that it was seized from. A report by a National Guard lawyer is calling out lies from the military brass concerning the January 6th committee. Apparently... Uh, Meadows, Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff for President Trump, is going to be suing the committee over not wanting to testify. We're going to start off tonight. Oh, there's a lot of cop death on the show. Just so, like, straight up. Once we get to that section of the show, it's just like story after story after story. You thought you thought the United States has calmed down and the cops haven't been killing people? Nah, they always killing people. We just happen to have a 
trove of videos to go through. The cops just killing people. All over the country. We got one in Florida. We got one in New Mexico. We got cops killing an 88-year-old man somewhere. Campus police killed an 18-year-old. It's it's fucking tragic. This is America, though. We're going to start off tonight helling Satan and watching the flaming Christmas tree from this morning. Apparently, police have arrested a man in connection with the Christmas tree fire outside of Fox News. Yeah, I just got on the floor. It happens sometimes. Apparently this was arson this morning. This is the Fox News Christmas tree. The Fox News Christmas tree. The host on Fox had something to say about it, of course. Of Minneapolis, of, of San Francisco, of Los Angeles, of New York. But this is personal to you two at home now. The Fox Christmas tree vandalized. Arson. Arson. And Burn that's down. personal to you. It's personal to us. This is a, an American icon. This is our Christmas tree. Right. Someone setting fire to it. What is happening to our country? It is hey, so... Where my country gone? And someone who loves this country... And the war on Christmas has begun in earnest. I'm sure it was all they talked about this morning, right? But think about it. Who, to Ainsley's earlier point, who sets a Christmas tree on fire? It's a a tree that unites us, that brings us together. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. It's about the Christmas spirit. It is about the holiday season. Uh, (laughs) An American icon sets it on fire. It's about everything that we stand for as a country. Freedom and being able to to worship the way that you want to worship. It makes me so mad. Well, it does, but it goes to the larger issue of safety. And we have been talking for a very long time. This city has gone south when it comes to safety. We don't feel safe when we come to work in the morning. We don't feel safe when we go home at night. It's just one of those things. And when you... when You You guys are scared of fucking everything. We were talking about this yesterday. How through the years, people... Thousands, hundreds of thousands of tourists have come to New York City to celebrate the Christmas season, and they walk up... I just, I just, I just want to point out that there has been a slight uptick in crime over the last few years, but like, still, on historic averages, we're, we're at low points. Like, if you look at the graph going back to like the 50s, it's... Off the fucking charts, comes down, and now it's like ticking back up a little bit down fifth avenue and our street sixth kind of avenue all we have left right? and they just they they look at the lights and today there are no lights because somebody burned down our christmas tree. <laughs> i hope we put it back i mean i, I hope we put it back. <laughs> i don't mean to laugh like it is like and we have another we got to do a Me sequel too. to the christmas tree yes. lighting uh and i just think that this Let's is do another lighting and, and you agree. know the early indications are the guy's a psycho well, then, like, goddamn, I'm sorry, like, he's a psycho, so he's somebody with mental health issues that needs help, not scorn on national TV. 
Brian Kilmeade. But continue, Normally continue. During the Christmas season, we start the program by showing an outside shot of our... I'm, I'm goddamn done with tree lottings. We're not doing any more fucking tree lottings. We did the Capitol tree lotting. We did the fucking White House tree Like Fuck off with your tree lottings. That, but you don't understand, Jenkins. That tree represents America. That tree represents freedom. The freedom to worship. The freedom to speak your mind. To protest. That tree represents the blood of Christ. Magna Carta. It is is like all the fucking Da Vinci codes are in that tree. That tree's fucking special, dude. Do not degradate the tree. A fucking men. Well, they probably had. This is Fox News. They probably had fucking little little American flag fucking ornaments all over the fucking tree so they burnt the flag and the trees that's what we're talking about this, this, this was a patriotic tree this was a justice tree it was more sacred to these fucks than the statue of liberty all american christmas tree on fox square but last night shortly see 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 it was an all american christmas tree it was an all-American Christmas tree. Doozy just said it. Somebody. I'm not high enough for this shit. Tree and lit it on fire. It's beginning to look a lot like arson. Right and now there is somebody who is in custody and is being interviewed by local police. Who sets a Christmas tree on fire? Who sets a Christmas well, tree Well, I mean, it's fire? just part of the rampage. No city is safe. In Whoville. Who sets a Christmas tree Here you are at 48th and 6th, right in midtown Manhattan. Uh, it has become a tourist attraction. Every year it gets more and more people. And just one psycho goes up, ignites this thing. Thank goodness we have uh, very excellent security. Within two seconds he was tackled to the ground. Uh, he was subdued. And then they find out that he's under arrest right now. Massive investigations through the night. It took place just after midnight. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, I thought it happened in the morning. So sad. We it have security. I thought it happened like as they were coming on the air or some shit. No more music. No more tree. Uh, yeah, I think it's They stole Christmas. They stole Christmas from Fox. This city is so out of control. So out of control. Especially in Midtown Manhattan. You, we, yes, they were city covering. City we used to love. Right, and but yes, they were covering stories about raids in Pacific Palisades in Beverly Hills, California, and then in 48th and 6th, this is a uh, tourist attraction. Look at it. Look at that. Was, that tree was a patriot. That tree was a patriot. It would have given his life for Donald Trump. It would have marched on the Capitol on January the 6th. That tree. That tree would have given its life for this country. And they sit there and they have this one lunatic. Grand Theft Christmas. Penetrate in in a matter of seconds. Oh, shit. No, 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 no. I think think Rockstar Games pulled Grand Theft Christmas this year. With their definitive trilogy. That's just me. I was gonna buy it, but the reviews have not been good. 
Violent and property crime rates in the U.S. continue their long-term decline. Per new data from the FBI, the violent crime rate fell 28% between 2000 and 2019, while the uh, the property crime rate fell 42%. Declines happened under both Obama, Biden, and during Trump. You would not know that from listening to Fox News, where apparently, like, they are scared of fucking everything. And remember, I ain't... Ducey, Ducey, Kilmeade, uh, what's the other? Ansley? Ansley Earhart? Ansley Earnhardt? Praise Dill, raise hell. No. Ducey, Ansley, Kilmeade. There is a fantastic video from Dennis Prager of PragerU that will tell you all about how you can't live your life in fear. Dennis Prager's never been been scared of anything. Ha <laughs> ha I don't want to get it to shit on. I have the I have the original trilogy. I was playing Vice City like earlier this fucking year. Before they announced the definitive trilogy. I got really well, I'm playing on console. I I should mod that. Yes. We watched a video last night about Dennis Prager talking about not living in fear. I think we, we I think we've got another Prager U video for tonight. I'm I'm not high enough. I'm sorry, Fox News, for laughing about your Christmas tree. My apologies. I really shouldn't because like I'm festive. I'm a festive. I got my I got my snowman bandana on because it's like fucking freezing temperatures right now. We're not currently receiving precipitation, but it's cold enough to snow. If we did, got my snowman bandana on, and I got a hair in my. (laughs) I can't get out. I hide out for the shit. Meanwhile, let's do a little world news. That's the first, that's the first I'm hearing about another stimmy. There have been clickbait headlines talking about stimulus checks, but what they're talking about is like a, a final round of the child tax credit payments that are coming on like the 15th. So, center left, Olaf Scholz, Scholz, voted in to replace Angela Merkel as the German Chancellor. The new government takes office with high hopes of modernizing Germany and combating climate change, but faces the immediate challenge of handling the country's toughest phase of the pandemic. It is currently uh, battering Europe right now, possibly driven by the Omicron variant. 
das Grundgesetz und die Gesetze des Bundes wahren und verteidigen. Meine Pflichten und Earlier today, last night, I don't know when the fuck it happened. Time zones, how do they work? Like magnets. This is the new German Chancellor. Hopefully now, Sparkles will quit calling me Angela Merkel. I don't know why she ever did it to begin with. Probably won't stop her. Schultz's government takes office with high hopes of modernizing Germany and combating climate change. Schultz won the support. Schultz won the support of 395 lawmakers on Wednesday. His three-party coalition holds 416 seats in the 736-seat lower house of parliament. Schultz was to be formally named as chancellor by Germany's president and sworn in by the Speaker of Parliament later on Wednesday. The ceremony you just watched, the 63-year-old Schultz, 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 I might be saying his name wrong. C A or C S I can't even fucking spell it. S C H O L Z. Germany's vice chancellor and finance minister since 2018 brings a wealth of experience and discipline to an untried coalition of his center-left socialist democrats, the environmentalist Greens, and the pro-business free democrats. The three parties are portraying the combination of former rivals as a progressive alliance that will bring new energy to the country after Merkel's near-record time in office. No, there is no new stimulus check coming. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, Adam. There are a lot of there are a lot of clickbait headlines going around about stimulus checks and they're usually referring to the child tax credits that are going out. I wouldn't look to our government to do anything. Believe me, I'm still in favor of us taking a Christmas vacation. Everybody staying in the house jacking off, getting paid by the government for a a month, two months. Let's ride this wave out. Expect no help. I I try to avoid the clickbait myself. That's just me. It would be smart policy to issue multiple rounds of stimulus. It worked incredibly well early on. It had the economy booming. We see what has happened when they have clawed back unemployment benefits. When stimulus money is long gone, we see what has happened to the economy. The jobs report for this month, underwhelming to say the least. Uh, There's a lot of truth to what you say, Wolf. 
Ukraine says the Biden-Putin call enabled deterrence and de-escalation. Ukraine's foreign minister said on Wednesday that the country is open to better relations between the United States and Russia, noting that the recent call between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin enabled deterrence and de-escalation. Contact itself serves as deterrence and de-escalation. Dmitro Kuleba said in a statement to Reuters, We appreciate the crucial diplomatic engagement of the U.S. in efforts to bring Russia back to the table of negotiations. You know, I didn't, uh... I didn't put it on my notes here. I skipped over it, but let's hear what Biden had to say. It's only like a two or three minute clip. Press got a hold of him about the call... I think when he was getting on a plane to go to fucking, he was somewhere in the heartland today, Kansas, Missouri, some shit like that. Oh, I thought I had a clip handy. My bad. It's probably stupid anyway. It's Joe Biden. You're gonna you're gonna get a dose of Joe Biden. I've still got a clip of him on the list. Don't don't you fret. Then let's go check in on the Prime Minister of Britain. Pressure grows on UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson to resign over alleged lockdown Christmas party. The Prime Minister denies that a party took place last December. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is facing calls to resign over reports that members of his staff attended a Christmas party last year while the country was in lockdown. The Daily Mirror newspaper reported that the party took place on December 18th, 2020 which would have been illegal under the coronavirus restrictions in place at the time. Johnson has denied the allegation. My God, if if that was all it took to get somebody out of office here in the United States, shit. And video leaked to ITV News. You know if we've got video, we've got we to gotta go fucking watch it. Apparently it shows. Apparently it shows Downing Street staff joking about this Christmas party that Boris Johnson says doesn't didn't take place. There was a Downing Street Christmas party on Friday night. Do you recognize those reports? <laughs> I went home. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, uh, uh, Would the parents condone having a Christmas? What's the answer? I don't know. I didn't. Wasn't the party? It was cheese and wine. Just be clear, it's not. <laughs> it's cheese and wine, all right. Oh, she has quit as an advisor today. <laughs> it's just recorded. This fictional party it was a business meeting, <laughs> and it was not socially distanced. Uh, <laughs> At least she's honest. Um, ask anybody have any questions today? 
Oh damn! They gotta fire the the honest person in the administration. In the video, the Prime Minister's press secretary and other staff members can be seen holding a mock press conference discussing how they would respond to allegations that Downing Street had held a Christmas party. So yeah, that was that was a leaked recording of their practice for handling questions about it. It wasn't a party, it was cheese and wine, one person can be heard saying. Allegra Stratton, the stat, sucks to be her that, like, I'm sure she had the name before the medicine was a thing, but fucking pharmaceutical industry, naming a pill Allegra, poor Allegra now. Allegra Stratton, the staff member seen in the video, resigned from her post on Wednesday. At a weekly scheduled parliamentary session on Wednesday, Johnson repeatedly denied that a party had taken place, but he did apologize for the leaked video, saying, I was also furious to see that clip. I apologize unreservedly, unreservedly, for the offense it has caused up and down this... By the way, by the way, I want to I wanna talk about something. Alexander Boris DeFeffel Johnson... Get a get a get a get a get a get a, get a, get a, get a good look at this. I need you, I need you guys to see it. I even took a screenshot of it. Let's get in real fucking close here. I did not know that this was this motherfucker's name. Alexander Boris Defeffel Johnson. Alexander Boris Defeffel. Johnson. I don't am I am I saying it close to correct the defeffle? I get I have no clue how one would go about pronouncing that. Well he's he's nobody's ever called him by his full fucking name before? On your media? Like, what? Like, I just had... This is the first time I've noticed this. It was in this article. Alexander Boris DeFeffel Johnson. <laughs> that, that sounds kind of racist, Warlord. Ah, oh, shit. Oh, who is this dude? Is this Keir Stormer? On the Prime Minister's questions. Trisha Greenhall's mum phoned her. She was breathless and feverish. You might want to listen. Trisha followed the rules and didn't visit her mum. Listening? Four days later, on the day the Prime Minister's staff laughed about covering up the party, Trisha's mum was admitted to hospital. Trisha followed the rules and didn't visit. Trisha's mum spent Christmas Day in hospital. Trisha followed the rules and didn't visit. Two days later, Trisha's mum died. War is hanging his head in shame. To know is this: Why did the Prime Minister expect? 
so so often here with U.S. politics, I'm like, please feel embarrassment. It actually looks like Boris Johnson is capable of feeling embarrassment because he he had his head hung in shame. Her to accept. Well, being dressed down. Allowed a Downing Street party, but didn't allow her to visit her dying mother. Prime, Prime Minister's questions is always fucking fascinating. <laughs> For some reason, this is not a isolated incident in the world, though. Sana Marin, Finland's Prime Minister, is sorry for going clubbing after COVID contact. Finland's Prime Minister, Sana Marin, has apologized for going clubbing after coming into close contact with the COVID-19 case. Apparently she went on a night out in Helsinki on Saturday, hours after her foreign minister had tested positive. She was initially told that she did not need to isolate because she had been fully vaccinated, but later missed a text that advised her to do so. Critics questioned her judgment for not isolating until testing negative. The Social Democratic Prime Minister, who is 36 years old, said the text message that advised her to avoid social contact was sent to her work phone, which she had left at home when she went out clubbing. Nothing wrong with that. I am I am not shaming her for going out clubbing. I mean, other than like, you know, the being irresponsible with the COVID, but she was full of vaccinated. When she saw the text on Sunday, she urgently sought a COVID test, and the results came back negative. At first, Ms. Marin defended her actions, arguing that she had followed the advice of her Secretary of State, who informed her about the COVID exposure. But in a Facebook post on Monday, Ms. Marin said she should have double-checked the guidance and used better judgment. I am very sorry for not understanding that I, need, uh, that I needed to do that, she wrote. Finland's COVID guidelines, anyone who is double jabbed does not need to isolate if they come in contact with a positive case. But the guidelines do advise people to voluntarily avoid, voluntarily avoid social contact if they are waiting for access to a COVID test. Separate guidelines for government ministers and employees are uh, also recommend limiting social contact immediately after exposure. And one of the things that the right wing here in this country, who we need leadership under for, we need, we desperately, especially here in the United States, we need leadership that is young. I want millennials in charge. God damn. I am so tired of these baby boomers skip right over the Gen Xers. They don't care anyway. Let's make sure everyone in in power this next decade coming, we vote in all millennials. Please. Please. Sorry, RB, if you're in here. Don't mean to don't mean to shit on the boomers. 
Pfizer releasing their data on how the booster stands up to the Omicron variant. And I also want to bring in Dr. Ebony Hilton. Dr. Hilton is an associate professor of anesthesiology and critical care medicine. At- Good Lord, I don't want Tim Pool in charge. And Tim Pool is far too lazy to run for office. No, I don't want Tim Pool in charge. I want my friends in charge, though. One of the things that people on the left get lackadaisical about voting. But I assure you, the people on the right are going and voting for their asshole friends. We need to go and vote for our friends. I want to be the communications director for somebody. I mean, I'll accept being a moderately well-known YouTuber... That would be nice here in a couple of years. Twitch streamer, whatever the fuck. I would like to get to the level of Politicon being invited to debate somebody. Good Lord, I would I would run for office but not like not for president or anything. God I I would enjoy being a politician, but like clearly my my talents are are better behind the scenes of strategizing. I'm in the communications office. That's where I need to be. I don't need to be out campaigning because I'm 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 not a likable person. A good thirty percent of people who meet me just hate me right off the bat. Like just from I'm from a negative place just the moment they see me. I I don't know what causes it. But just right off the bat, they don't like my energy, they don't like my face. I when when I work a traditional job when I'm in a workplace, like I there's usually like some kind of a fucking tension with people. And there usually has to be a spat where I stand up for myself and dress somebody down. And then, like, I win the respect of the person. Like that, like, you have to punch the bully kind of thing. I don't like it. I don't like it, but it's just it comes with my face for some reason. Can't help it. It's like my, my, my energy I put out in the world. I like being over here doing my own thing. But I would be really good in a politician's communications office. And I would happily accept that job if anybody's listening that wants to hire me. What the fuck is this story again? Oh, Pfizer releasing data on the... the on the booster shots and how they hold up to the Omicron variant. At the University of Virginia, she's also a medical uh, contributor here on MSNBC. So, Sam, let me start. We got a couple of doctors here talking to us. Out from Pfizer just a few hours ago as cases across the country are again on the rise. 
that correct? That's just that case trends right now are not good. We're looking at almost 110,000 infections per day. That's a level the United States has not been at since early October. And you touched upon this a second ago, Craig. Hospitalizations are up in 30-plus states right now, six states primarily in the Midwest, making up the majority of those increases. I want to say I told you so. In 19 different states in the last couple of weeks. But we do have encouraging news from Pfizer this morning, which says that its vaccine is effective at combating Omicron. However... And, Craig, it's a big however. You need to get that third shot because what scientists found is that... We got people won't even get the first two. ...in shot three is a 25 times increase. So the third one is key right now, but that does bring you up to a level where you would be protected with that booster shot against infection, protected against this disease causing severe effects in your body. All of that really is reassuring. Now, the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Borla, was on today earlier talking with Savannah about where this third shot puts you. Here's what he said. Did he say Ludwig Borga? Three doses against Omicron are almost equivalent to the two doses effectiveness we had against the, the wild type, the original variant. So far, looks like Albert Borla improves dramatically the efficacy of the two. It is, Craig, also important to note that two shots, it appears from early indications, does still protect you against severe illness and death. Right now, Dr. Anthony Fauci also providing a glimmer of more good news. He says there is anecdotal evidence to suggest that the Omicron variant is presenting right now as less severe than Delta. But there's still a lot of research there that has to be ironed out before we can say that conclusively, Craig. So that is encouraging. Now, how did the stock market do on the news of receding fears about the Omicron variant? Apparently, trade was mixed. Major U.S. stocks benchmark major U.S. stock benchmarks were mixed on Wednesday following a massive Tuesday rally. Pfizer and Biotech said data indicate a third dose of their vaccine neutralizes the Omicron coronavirus variant. The S&P 500's rebound from the Omicron sell-off leaves the index up about 26% in 2021. Why is it when they talk about inflation, they always want to talk about like workers' wages, but they don't want to talk about like the stock market is up 26%? That is literally money they are, are bleeding from the workers. U.S. stocks were mixed on Wednesday after a big rally in the previous session as concerns about the impact of the Omicron coronavirus variant on the global economy ebbed. Stocks found some upside support with Pfizer and its partner Biotech saying preliminary lab data shows three doses of their COVID vaccine are effective at neutralizing the Omicron strain. The strain's recent emergence triggered a sell-off in stocks, as health officials pointed out it was heavily mutated. The Nasdaq composite edged lower after a 3% rally on Tuesday, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the uh, the S&P 500 wavered at the open. The overall outlook for global equities is positive with Omicron concerns almost entirely evaporating. This is according to Chris uh, Bochamp. Chris Bochamp, the chief market analyst at IG.
Meanwhile, President Joe Biden out here in Kansas or Missouri or yeah, Kansas. I was I was right. I was correct both ways. It is Kansas City, Missouri. Biden was in Kansas City, Missouri. He is touting a seven cent drop in the price of gasoline. Well, I tell you what, we're in a situation where we've known that our infrastructure had problems for a long, long time. I don't think I could take one more phrase that's going to be infrastructure weak. Guess Our infrastructure what? is weak. Infrastructure. Our bridges yeah. collapse regularly. No more talking. Action. Two weeks ago, I announced the largest ever release of the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to increase the supply of oil to help bring down prices. He's trying to appeal to the neoliberal order. Other countries joined us. Nothing will fundamentally Those change. Are starting to reach drivers now. Today, the average price you're paying here in Kansas City is below two dollars a gallon. Two, three dollars a gallon. It's down to two ninety a gallon. Twenty percent down from since we're from a month ago. Twenty cents. Twenty percent. What? Seven. 125% chance of winning. Some Steiner math going on here, Biden. What the fuck? And you also should, you probably shouldn't have slipped up saying like, hey, you're paying under $2 a gallon. Well, that is totally not true. The average price you're paying here in Kansas City is below $2 a gallon. $3 a gallon. It's down to two ninety a gallon. 20% down from cents for, from a month ago. Nationally, prices are down $0.07 cents a gallon and continue to fall. We're making progress. We're going to keep at it to ensure the American people are paying their fair share for gas. Not being Saudis want those weapons. Look, we never break. We never stop. We Americans always rebuild. Can't stop, won't stop. And we will rebuild this country. There you go. There's your dose of Biden. I'm glad we watched that. We got some Steiner math. Meanwhile, the Senate is poised to kill one of his signature pieces of executive action. Senate poised to pass resolution to nullify the Biden vaccine mandate. The Senate is expected to vote as soon as Wednesday. Could be happening right now, bitches. To nullify President Biden's vaccine mandate for large employers, giving Republicans a big symbolic victory. Republicans say they expect the resolution will pass with at least 52 votes after centrists Senator Joe Manchin and John Tester announced their support for the proposal. Every single Republican senator will vote for it. The Congressional Review Act which was enacted in 1996, sets up a fast-track process in the Senate that allows the minority party to force a vote on a resolution to disapprove of a federal rule. The CRA, however, does not have a fast-track process for the House. Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, old chuggy boy, 
said Tuesday he isn't worried about a few Democratic defections on the vaccine mandate. The position to me is pretty clear, and that is that the more people that are vaccinated, the safer America will be, and we should encourage everything we can do to do it. That is the overwhelming view of the president and of the vast majority of Democrats. I don't know. That statement just kind of sounds like they're giving up on it. Like the Biden administration is giving up on fighting it after all these these court losses. Not necessarily losses. The rulings thus far have put the mandate on hold pending review. The Senate's anticipated passage of the resolution will set up a battle in the House where Republicans plan to circulate a discharge position a petition to force Speaker Nancy Pelosi to schedule a vote on the resolution. I'm hoping to get another two or three Democrats on board. The lead Senate Republican sponsor of the proposal, Senator Mike Braun, told The Hill Tuesday before he knew that Tester would back the proposal. Tester on Tuesday said he was not a fan of vaccine mandates for private employers, even though he supports mandates for healthcare workers and members of the military. Manchin announced last week that he would vote for the Republican resolution, even though he just voted to defeat an amendment to a short-term government funding measure that would have barred the use of federal funds to implement Biden's vaccine mandate. Ron said there's a good chance House Republicans will get enough signatures on a discharge petition to force a floor vote in that chamber. Meanwhile, the turtle... Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell of the Republicans took to the floor today to lambast the liberal rhetoric. Calls it a public safety issue. <coughs> now, in one final matter, the national murder rate just recorded its biggest jump. He, he 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 did indeed cough. He said recorded its biggest jump. What what is the year he's going to cite? The biggest jump in half a decade. It's the biggest, it's like, it's still at historic lows. We just, we watched this earlier. We saw the, we saw the data about violent crime rates. In more than a century. In some cities, homicides. Oh, in more than a century. All time records. From Albuquerque to Milwaukee to Memphis to Des Moines. City officials reported more murders last year. Not far off. Not far off of his birth year. In my hometown of Louisville. Homicides this year have now broken last year's all-time record. All last year, liberal politicians... I would assume the... I would assume the Louisville Metro Police Department is probably responsible for a good majority of those. ...about law enforcement. Here were some of them. We need to completely dismantle local police. Here was another one. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally... Racist. A left-wing messaging campaign has spent... You know, I didn't know you were going to talk about this, Mitch, but yes, please stick around to the end of the show. I I apologize in advance for the ungodly amount of cop depth you're going to see later on. We'll, we'll get into it, though, Mitch. ...a year and a half 
trying to. By the way, he mentioned he mentioned his hometown of Louisville. I'm sorry to cut off the turtle yet again. Mentions his hometown of Louisville. Did you know that the Louisville Metro Police Department was found raping kids in their Explorer program? They were raping kids in their Explorer program, and the entire department covered it up. That was in your hometown, Mitch McConnell. Now, do you want to talk about policing? I would love to talk about policing with you, Mitch McConnell. Enforcement and policing. A network of liberal district attorneys around the country are matching their rhetoric with incredibly soft on crime practices behind the scenes. And the predictable result of all this has been a collapse, a collapse in public safety. For example, last month, a man killed six people and injured dozens more at a Christmas market in Wisconsin just weeks after he was released. Listen to this. Just weeks after he was released on bail for another set of violent charges. This criminal had already been arrested and locked up in neighboring Milwaukee County, but he was let out by a liberal DA who remarked several years ago that, quote, Is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? Well, you bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. Stunning. That's now a whole bunch of grieving families in this Wisconsin city who have strong feelings about that, quote, approach. Here's a headline from New York City just this week, quote, man busted for assault set free, allegedly beats two random New York City women, then cut loose again. Smash and grabs, flash mob thefts, and carjackings. are Flash in- mob thefts. In multiple. That sounds fun. Are they singing while they do it? Democrats just want to keep getting weaker on crime and softer on public safety. We expect to vote today on the nomination of Rachel Rollins to be U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts. Ms. Rollins has spent years in her current job as a DA pushing the idea that the state should wipe entire categories of crimes off the list of things worth prosecuting. She yeah. Her office not go well, like drugs? Yes, yes. Shoplifters? Or even those found possessing drugs with intent. Some turtle. Just some random turtle wearing a suit on the floor of the Senate. Should have earned the nominee a pink slip. Instead, President Biden's giving her a promotion. I would urge all senators to vote no. Law-abiding. Unfortunately, the Republicans killed the nomination of the the one cool nominee that Biden had. And they need leaders who will defend the rule. Even the Hill was like, we can't take any more Mitch McConnell. We got to cut him off. For the past two years. We're not going to let him talk anymore. No, 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 no. We're going to get somebody far more stupid. We're going to go to the house. 
I believe Scalise is the second in command. He is the third in command, maybe. Representative Steve Scalise, he is the House Minority Whip. He has asked about Lauren Boebert's Islamophobic comments towards Representative Ilan Omar. Do you believe that Representative Boebert's Islamophobic comments about Representative Omar were wrong? Well, first of all, if you look at what Lauren Boebert said, she came back and apologized. And I do think this gets lost too often because we... She did not. She did not. She did not. She actually demanded that Representative Omar apologize to her. We've had members on both sides that have said things that we disagree with. Uh, I don't know if this I've isn't about disagreeing. Democrats apologized for their statement. Lauren apologized for what she said. Uh, and the fact that on the Democrat side, they want to only go after Republicans. They don't even ask their own members to apologize for things that were said, uh, let alone go after uh, their members. They want it to be a one-sided thing. And, and I think that's... Uh, like, is there no memory in politics? They, they fucking censured Ilan Omar. You fucking piece of shit. Oh, but the Democrats, they never go after their own. And they didn't even, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. And Ilan Omar apologized for the phrasing she used. That was the only thing wrong with it. That she used phrasing that evoked Jewish tropes. But what she said was 100% benign, was not anti-Semitic, was a critique of lobbying and politics. And I think his framing of it in and of itself is Islamophobic, you piece of shit. First to apologize for things that were said, uh, let alone go after uh, their members. They want it to be a one-sided thing. And, and Al Franken, Katie Hill, so many have apologized, resigned, had dignity. What they, what they see wrong, as we do. But when a member apologizes, I think you ought, you ought to respect and appreciate that and, and ultimately call for a higher standard but it starts with the members themselves acknowledging if they said something that they shouldn't have to come and apologize for it and then move on so appreciate that but she totally didn't apologize by the way i'm actually going to agree with something dan crenshaw says here a little bit so strap yourselves in for that one bitches let's listen to representative alexandria ocasio-cortez Talk about the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy. For your leadership on this issue, uh, which is always so steadfast and consistent. Uh, but I must say... It's yes, Presley is a badass. She is supporting legislation to censure Lauren Boebert. This shouldn't need a press conference. We shouldn't need to be gathered here today. We shouldn't have to be asking for the bare minimum of protection and respect of our colleague, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar. You know, I think a lot of times people deduce these threats and the result of what happens from this incredibly violent, incredibly racist rhetoric uh, that is accepted. Mm -hmm. And I would argue at this point, the pattern is now established that Leader McCarthy encourages and is accepting of this... Violent, violent, let's not 
let's not overlook her Christmas card. Merry Christmas from the Boberts, where all of her children are fucking armed, like psychopaths. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's. Maybe that's her pedophile husband or sex offender husband or whatever. Is her husband not in the picture? Did he? Is he afraid to be on camera with her? Fucking wow. Targeting, particularly of women of color in the United States Congress. Um, you know, people think this is just emails. And, and, and Boebert couldn't even be original. Like she saw Representative Massey do it. And like, oh, I can do that too. That's smart. Let's do that. Let's do that with our Christmas cards. It'll 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 make the libs heads explode and I'll get a spot in the news cycle because of it. Seriously, that's that's exactly what she thought. Just angry voicemails because the people inflicting this kind of violence and aggression do not have to live with the consequences of it. They don't have to ride around in a 20,000 pound armored truck and need six people to go to, to go to them, go with them just so that they can go to the grocery store because so many people are now trying to target a member due to the Republican caucus's acceptance of this targeting. I mean, they already shot a representative in the fucking head. Shot her in the head. Because Representative Gosar... They shot Gabby Giffords in the head. The the motherfucker Steve Scalise, who refused to call out the Islamophobic rhetoric, he was shot at a fucking congressional baseball uh, practice ground, some bullshit. They made a big deal about how it was a Bernie supporter. This about trying, uh, violent, you know, aired something incredibly violent. We all know what happened. And almost the entire caucus voted to protect him except for two Republican members. Yeah, fuck Gozar, too. I'm surprised at this escalation now. At this targeting of Representative uh, Ilhan Omar. Because this mirrors what is happening in our society. Where the most vulnerable people and most vulnerable communities whose, whose bigotry, when it's directed at them, is most Dr. <laughs> That it starts... He is a dentist. And when we accept that and look the other way and don't enforce the same rules for everybody, it will make it worse. I represent thousands of young women. I represent thousands of black, Latino, and Muslim communities and immigrant communities and refugees in New York City. So many women will have their hijabs ripped off on public transit because of the example that Leader McCarthy and the Republican caucus is setting right now. We have a responsibility to show this country that bigotry she ain't is wrong. unacceptable. And to treat the hallowed halls of this capital 
with the bare respect that any corporate HR office would do anywhere else in this country. This shouldn't be about politics. This shouldn't be about Democrat or Republican. This should be about what is completely unacceptable in any context anywhere in this country. Representative Boebert, whatever her intentions may be for her racism and flagrant bigotry, needs to experience self-aggrandizement actions, whether she's seeking it out or not. Because when we inconsistently apply consequences to bigotry, we invite and here's the, and here's the sad part. It's even if, like, let's say she's defeated in next year's election. She doesn't return to Congress. She's still going to be a darling of the right. She's got a pretty face. She can string together sentences. She can sit and talk on a podcast for three fucking hours. I didn't say it would be coherent, but she can talk. She can present herself to a camera. She's going to be just fucking fine. Fortunately, I don't. I, I would hope she she goes the way of Sarah Palin and is shunned by polite society. But I don't think it's going to happen. Did she? I would like. I can't believe Dustin. We're on the same wavelength here. Last I saw of Sarah Palin, we played a clip of her. I want to say around the election last year. And it was some shit she had filmed herself, and she was talking just complete gibberish. Just absolute nonsense out her ass. She was doing weird shit, like coming like out like the other like side of the camera like this, and like it was it was not well done. Like no, no nobody was producing it for her. Maybe she was trying to be TikTokish with it or something. I don't fucking know. But it was it was pathetic. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a good that's what you should be relegated to. After I had to learn your fucking name out of nowhere back in what? August, September of 2008. Oh. What a different time that was. I was dating the crack whore during that election. Fun times, fun times. For people to test these boundaries. It's pretty simple. You threaten a colleague or you incite incredibly racist rhetoric against a specific colleague of yours in the United States Congress, you do not have committees. This should be simple. This should be easy. Unfortunately, the Republican caucus is not making it easy, but we should. And um, I'm I'm so grateful to the clarity hint, of hint, Pelosi. so many of our members that are standing here today and many who, who aren't able to stand on this stage right now who also feel the same. And um, and it is important that we set this message here now and um, and forever moving forward. So. Thank you very, uh, thank you very much, and uh, I uh, welcome my colleague Rashida Tlaib. Now they are calling out various members of the Republican leadership 
who have been silent on the issue, but amazingly enough, there has been a Republican and someone you would not expect that has spoke out about the crazies in his caucus. And boy, howdy, get ready. You guys are not going to believe what this motherfucker is getting ready to say. Supporting these two. There's actually other veterans in Morgan's race. Uh, there's other front runners. But why support these two? Well, because I've been in Congress for almost three years now. There's two types of members of Congress. There's performance artists. There's legislators. Now, the performance artists are the ones that get all the attention. They're the ones you think are more conservative because they know how to say slogans real well. They know how to recite the lines that they know that our voters want to hear. Let me tell you guys something. In the first two years of Trump's presidency, when Republicans were in control, when every single time we were voting on Donald Trump's agenda... Who do you think was at the top of that list voting with Trump? And who do you think was at the bottom? A lot of names you would recognize were at the bottom of that list. A lot of names you would recognize are at the top of that list. Number two is it's probably going to make you cringe a little bit. It's Adam Kinsinger. Voted with Trump almost 99%. He was number two. You know who's at the bottom? Everybody in the Freedom Caucus. All of them. What you hear so often is not true. It's not true. We have grifters in our midst. Not here, not like in this room, that's not what I mean. I mean in the conservative movement. Lie after lie after lie because they know something psychologically about the conservative heart. We're worried about what people are gonna do to do to us, what they're gonna infringe upon us. Dan Grinshaw, who, by the way, by the way, I would give everything I own to piss in his open eye hole. Representative Dan Grinshaw just told the truth. Called out the entire Freedom Caucus. That's your Gozar. That's your your Boberts. Your your Marjorie Taylor Greens. That's your Matt Gates. Called them performance artists. But Dan Crenshaw is exactly that. Now his supporting evidence was voting with Trump, and he was he was correct on that. Like they they ousted well at least Stefanik because she she fucking voted for impeachment, even though she was far more conservative than the person that they replaced her with. Maybe Stefanik was the replacement. And I have it backwards. That was that was that was like fucking six months ago, seven months ago. I'm just I'm amazed. I wish I wish Dan Crenshaw. I wish. May I remind you, he did this whole fucking commercial where he jumped out of an airplane. And like shot up an Antifa car or some shit as a campaign ad during the election last year. This motherfucker is talking about performance artists. How many videos have we watched, slickly produced, that had Dan Crenshaw in them? 
Talk about a performance artist. Seriously, he has the gall to call somebody else performance artists. Let's hear from one of those performance artists. Before we do, though, I need to ask the question, how the fuck is Matt Gates still in Congress? How is Matt Gates still in Congress? This is in the Western Journal. Gates supports Trump for House Speaker. Here's how Trump could become it without even being elected. They seriously... And make no mistake about it, what they want is if they take over the House and the Senate is to make Trump the Speaker of the House, impeach Biden, impeach Harris, and then Trump's the President again. Honest to God, that's exactly what these people want. Here's where he says it. Oh, shit. If you do leave the House, would you want uh, ex-President Trump uh, to be the speaker? I would. Have you talked to him about it? I have. And what did he say? Oh, I keep my conversations with the former president uh, between the two of us. If you do leave the House. Joined by Louis Gomert on the other side, another member of the Freedom Caucus. Another shining example of the Freedom Caucus. Apparently he posted it. He posted the clip we just watched with the hashtag Speaker Trump. Historically, the House Speaker has always been a previously elected member of the House of Representatives. But according to a 2015 article from NBC News, that is not necessarily a requirement. The U.S. Constitution states that the House of Representatives shall choose their Speaker and other officers NBC News reported, nowhere does it say that the House must choose someone who is already a member of the House. NBC said the official position of the Office of the House historian agreed upon by the clerk of the House is that the Speaker has always been but is not required to be a House member. These motherfuckers scheming, scheming, scheming. How the, is he even going to be around? Are you going? Are you going to see the next Congress, sir? Are you going to be sitting in a prison cell? Let's hope if there is justice in this world. January sixth panel is moving forward with contempt charges against Mark Meadows. The House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol insurrection has no choice but to move forward with contempt charges against former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows now that he is no longer complying with a subpoena. This is according to the panel's chairman. In a letter to Meadows' lawyer, Representative Benny Thompson, said Meadows has already provided documents to the committee, including personal emails and texts about Donald Trump's efforts to overturn his 2020 election defeat. Yet Meadows did not show up Wednesday for a scheduled deposition after the lawyer, George Terwilliger, told the committee that his client was ending his cooperation. Thompson, a Democrat from Mississippi, noted in the letter that Meadows has also published a book 
released this week that discusses the January 6th attack. Move to hold Meadows in contempt comes as the committee has struggled to gain compliance from a few of the former president's closest and most high-profile allies. Still, the committee has already conducted more than 250 interviews with witnesses about the riot. Many leaders have said they intend to punish anyone who will not comply, and the House has already voted to hold longtime Trump ally Steve Bannon in contempt after he defied their subpoena. Justice Department did later indict Bannon on two counts. The documents that Meadows has provided, Thompson wrote, include communications from around the time of the presidential election in November of 2020 and before the insurrection and involve White House efforts to overturn Joe Biden's election victory. Meadows provided the committee last month with personal emails and backed up data from his personal cell phone, including text messages, Thompson said. The documents that Meadows turned over included an email dated November 7th, the day that Biden was declared the White House winner that Thompson described as discussing the appointment of alternate slates of electors as part of a direct and collateral attack after the election. Thompson did not say who sent the email or give further details. And also described an email that referenced a 38-page PowerPoint titled Election Fraud, Foreign Interference, and Options for the 6th of January that Thompson said was intended to be shared on Capitol Hill. Thompson did not further elaborate on the email, but said it was dated January the 5th, the day before hundreds of Trump supporters violently breached the Capitol and interrupted the certification of Biden's victory. Speaking of which, interesting development. And if I was a conspiracy theorist, it'd make me go, huh. Michael Flynn's brother lied to Congress in a Capitol riot testimony, according to an ex-aide to a top D.C. National Guard general. A report by a top D.C. National Guard lawyer calls General Charles Flynn an absolute and unmitigated liar. A former aide to the District of Columbia National Guard general who was in command during the 6th of January insurrection has accused two top Army officers, including the brother of disgraced Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, of lying to Congress in an attempt to blame D.C. National Guard officials for delays in response to the worst attack on the Capitol since the 1814 burning of Washington. The accusations against General Charles Flynn, who served as the Army's Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations on the 6th of January, and then Army Staff Director Lieutenant General Walter Pate, were laid out in a memorandum authored by Colonel Earl Matthews, who was the top military legal aide to Major General William Walker that day. The 36-page document, the existence and contents of which were first reported by Politico, is a rebuttal to a report the Defense Department's Inspector General issued last month. The report accused General Walker of not immediately following an order to deploy troops to repel the horde of then-President Donald Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol in hopes of preventing Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. 
General Walker, who since the 26th of April has served as the House of Representatives Sergeant-at-Arms, has denied the allegations and called for the report to be retracted. The motherfucker is serving at the behest of the Democrats as the House of Representatives Sergeant-at-Arms? Well, that's fucking fishy. Memorandum by Colonel Matthews, a Harvard and Georgetown University-educated lawyer who served in top Pentagon and National Security Council roles during the Trump administration and holds graduate degrees from the National Intelligence University and Army War College, supports General Walker's version of events which match a Defense Department chronology uh, chronology compiled by Army note-takers. The memorandum alleges that the Inspector General's report is replete with factual inaccuracies and singles out General Flynn and uh, Pate as absolute and unmitigated liars who repeatedly and deliberately made false statements under oath during a June the 15th appearance before the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. In his June testimony, General Pate recounted a conversation which he said occurred between then-Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy and General Walker during a conference call in which Mr. McCarthy allegedly ordered him to prepare a quick reaction force of soldiers to aid Capitol Police at 2.30 p.m. that day. Immediately upon hearing the frantic request for assistance, Mr. McCarthy asked General Walker how quickly the 40-member QRF could respond. General Walker stated the QRF could be ready to move in 20 minutes. Mr. McCarthy directed General Walker to prepare to move the QRF to the Capitol building and support the uh, U.S. Capitol Police, but to remain at the armory until he confirmed approval from Mr. McCarthy, General Pate recalled. According to Colonel Matthews, who still serves in the D.C. National Guard's office, the staff of Judge Advocate, General Pate's recollection was drawn from whole cloth and did not occur and was one of many repeated false or misleading statements he made during his appearance before the committee that day. Eyes of a ranger. Unsuspected stranger. Better know the truth. Go from right. Because a ranger are upon you. If Chuck Norris can sing it, I I'm I probably did it better than he did. Because Chuck Norris is not a good singer. I used to watch it with my dad when I was like in fifth grade, sixth grade, some shit like that. I really enjoyed it at that time. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I liked me some Walker, Texas Ranger back when I was in fifth grade. And like I'm gonna, gonna lay something on you here. When I was a kid, I always thought I wanted to be a cop. No shit. Until like my teenage years, I like I thought I was gonna be a cop. I wanted to be a cop because I always played cop 
when I was a kid. I would make my my Legos into toy guns and I would play cop and I look back on it now. Here's the thing. As I was playing cop, I played all different kinds of cop, superheroes and shit, but every time I was I was playing when I was a kid, I had intro music. I would cut and go to commercial break. I was always a broadcaster. I just watched, I watched a lot of cop shows. You know, that was the big thing on fucking CBS. There was Nash Bridges and fucking Walker, Texas Ranger and fucking all that fucking shit. All downhill, all downhill. There's a picture of me. I don't I don't know if I have it in digital form. And I don't I don't have the I don't I do not have the physical copy my mother does. There is a picture of me with like a, a fucking like a state trooper hugging me and I look like it's the most excited I've ever been in life. Gave me a little badge. I wore that badge to school every fucking day. Yeah, all downhill because you're gonna see you're gonna see plenty of fucking shit gonna make you hate some fucking cops. I told you that heartwarming story, but like, we're not far from like some really shitty fucking stories. Some horrendous videos we're gonna watch. Let's go down to the southern border. Things I always like to point out when people talk about the stupid ass border wall was that there's people that live on the fucking border. And they actually seized some land from this family and finally they're going to get it back. The federal government to a Texas family. Now that land was taken through eminent domain under former President Trump for construction of the proposed border wall. Ileana Diaz live with details of the agreement between the family and the administration. Ileana. Adrian, well, this is a major victory for the family. They've been fighting to keep their land since 2018 when plans for Trump's border wall became more of a reality. And now that family is finally getting to keep their land. And this is a good family. The family thought former President Donald Trump leaving office meant this legal battle would end. But their property was still seized earlier this year for border wall construction. In April, a judge ruled the federal government could take immediate possession of the land. This process started in 2018 during the Trump administration when officials moved at a faster rate to obtain land along the Texas-Mexico border to build more barriers there. Now, nine months later, the Biden administration is returning the six and a half acres of land to the Cavazos family. Their property is in Mission, Texas, along the Rio Grande, and the family has owned it for generations. Now, the Texas Civil Rights Project is a nonprofit that is representing this family, and they tell us that the family says they are extremely grateful for this positive outcome. Adrian? Yeah, they have a Mexican name, so like they, there's all kinds of families that live there along the border that have family on both sides. And want to be able to cross freely to see their fucking family. It was always stupid to build the stupid fucking wall. Content warning on this one because it's going to piss you off. The Biden administration is returning to a Trump era policy of telling migrants to remain in Mexico. Let's get the deets. 
No one does it better on stories like this than Ms. Amy Goodman over at Democracy Now! As we look at this very controversial move of the Biden administration, which has resumed the Trump-era remain in Mexico policy that forces non-Mexican asylum seekers who arrive at the southern U.S. border to wait in Mexico while their cases are resolved in U.S. courts, a process that can take months or even years. Human rights advocates who monitored the program's first day under Biden on Monday said they already witnessed U.S. Border Patrol officers turn away several people who tried to— Even the migrants were excited for Spider-Man. A group of former immigration judges released a statement condemning the return of the program as the, quote, antithesis of fairness. Between 2019 and 20, Trump officials used the Remain in Mexico policy to force nearly 70,000 asylum seekers to wait in parts of Mexico the U.S. government knows are extremely dangerous. A report by Human Rights First tracked more than 1,500 murders, kidnappings, rapes, tortures, and other attacks on asylum seekers returned to Mexico under the policy. This is an asylum seeker named Eduardo, who described how he was kidnapped and held for ransom after he was forced to wait in Mexico by the U.S. government. Well, we were 20 adults, children, women, and their children. A pregnant girl who came with her child laying on the ground. The poor girl cried and cried. We were all traumatized. They had us, and they said, whoever doesn't pay us, we will kill you. Or we will cut your fingers off, one by one, until your family finds a way to pay us. I thought about my son and my wife who are waiting for me. I left Nicaragua to save my life, and I almost lost it here. President Biden initially halted Trump's Remain in Mexico program shortly after he took office, fulfilling a campaign promise. But he kept in place Trump's Title 42 policy, allowing the U.S. to continue mass expelling asylum seekers without due process, citing the pandemic as just— what they've been carting off the Haitians with. December. It's a matter of setting up the guardrails so we can move in the direction I will accomplish what I said I would do. A much more humane policy based on family unification, but it requires getting a lot in place and requires getting... It really is like the meme where, like, you just put a fucking, like, a rainbow sticker. It's a matter of it will get done. And a BLM sticker on the bomb. It's not going to be able to be done on day one. What would you say to immigration? What would you say to immigration advocates then who say maybe you're... Fuck it. Doubt. Doubt. Take too long? Or you, it sounds like you're saying I you said, need to Trust be patient. Me, look yeah. at me. I've never told them anything I haven't done. Now, the Biden administration says it has no choice but to reinstate the Remain in Mexico program, formerly known as MPP, or Migrant Protection Protocols, after a federal judge in Texas ordered the revival of the policy as part of a lawsuit brought by Texas and Missouri. But critics note Biden has not just restarted MPP, he's expanded it to include asylum seekers from the hemisphere, including Haitians. For more, we're joined by Kenji Kazuka, Associate Director of Research and Analysis for Refugee Protection at Human Rights First. Welcome to Democracy Now! So the program, Kenji, just went into effect yesterday. Uh, um, the, remain, the new Remain in Mexico program. Explain who's getting—who uh, is forced to stay in Mexico and the dangers that they face and what Biden can do about it. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. That's correct. Uh, the policy Remain in Mexico, which— is officially called the Migrant Protection Protocols, but of course has nothing to do with protecting migrants and has everything to do with deterring people who are seeking protection from even attempting to seek asylum in the United States. 
It was officially relaunched yesterday. And this morning, One of those new speak terms is waiting for the first group of asylum seekers to be sent back to Mexico. Um, as you noted, uh, in its original um, iteration, the Trump administration used Remain in Mexico to return non-Mexican asylum seekers who were from Spanish speaking countries and later also from Brazil. Um, this new version that the Biden administration announced last week could return asylum seekers from anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. And of course, we understand that that means that the Biden administration is considering returning Haitian asylum seekers, among others, uh, to Mexico to wait there for their asylum proceedings in what were, quite honestly, farcical uh, immigration court hearings, as, as you noted from the immigration judges themselves. And the work that my colleagues and I did over the past few years was largely to track what happened to the people who were returned under Remain in Mexico. And what we found were massive human rights violations and really a humanitarian catastrophe. As you noted, we tracked more than 1,500 cases. Why are we going to be like this? Kidnappings, rapes, torture. Why? And unfortunately, two individuals that we know of lost their lives. Uh, a Salvadoran father, an asylum seeker, was uh, stabbed to death in Tijuana. And a young man from Cuba, a 19-year-old, was shot to death in, in Ciudad Juarez just a few months ago. Um, so it's extraordinarily concerning that the Biden administration is not only restarting this policy, but expanding it. Um, the court order does not require the administration to expand the policy. It certainly does not require um, the administration to return Haitian asylum seekers to Mexico, where we know that black asylum seekers, black migrants face particular discrimination and violence. Um, and, it's, and it's not like Biden doesn't have other options. It's not like he can't uh, issue a new executive order. And Kenji, could you talk about the, the Democrats are in control, pass some fucking legislation. One, in terms of its reaction to the Remain in Mexico policy or in terms of its responsibilities for providing some kind of security for these asylum seekers while they await some kind of uh, adjudication of their uh, of their applications. The Mexican government is an integral part of the Remain in Mexico policy. It could not have been implemented the first time around, and it could not have been implemented uh, in this version without the agreement of Mexican officials to allow asylum seekers to be sent back to Mexico. And the Mexican government has made certain assurances to the Biden administration that, for instance, transportation and are we, housing... Are we giving them money? Provided. But frankly, the Mexican government doesn't have the capacity or the will to to ensure the safety of the people who are returned. Um, unfortunately, in the cases that we documented of people who were who were kidnapped, who were extorted, who were assaulted, Mexican officials, uh, police, military, immigration officials were often complicit in those attacks, or at, at some points, you know, themselves direct. I'm just, I'm assuming we're paying Mexico for that service. It, it doesn't appear that another huge waste of money um, just to violate the law. Operation through its agreement with Mexico guarantee the safety of the people who are returned. And we've already heard uh, from some border cities. The mayor of Tijuana, for example, has said that the city is just not prepared to receive any more asylum seekers in part because so many are already waiting in these border cities because the Biden administration has continued to use Title 42 to block asylum requests at ports of entry. And that's meant that many asylum seekers are waiting months and months for that initial opportunity to ask for asylum. 
So these shelters, they're, they're just inundated with people. They have no capacity to take in uh, more asylum seekers. And, and frankly, the shelters themselves aren't, aren't safe places either. We've documented many instances in which kidnappings, attacks, rapes have happened inside shelters or, or just outside them. There just isn't any way to safely or humanely implement this Remain in Mexico policy. And, uh, and what are we talking about in terms of the size of the populations now that are in these uh, encampments or shelters uh, on the Mexican side of the border? You know, during the presidential campaign, Dr. Jill Biden visited the encampment that had grown up in the city of Matamoros across from Brownsville. And at that point, there were maybe 2,000 people uh, in that camp. And I think it led the Biden campaign, um, now Vice President Harris, to really condemn Remain in Mexico, um, to, to say publicly that it was inhumane and commit to ending it. Unfortunately, God, what's the, number now? the Biden administration's policies the use of Title 42 and now this Remain in Mexico restart um, have generated themselves uh, these kinds of informal encampments. So we see a massive camp in Tijuana, another one in Reynosa, where thousands of people are sleeping outdoors in, in terrible conditions and exposed to the dangers of being kidnapped or raped, assaulted. Um, we, we continue to track these instances. And, and actually, in the last year alone, even without Remain in Mexico, with just this Title 42 policy in place, uh, we've been able to track more than 7,000 of these attacks against asylum seekers who are stranded in Mexico. Seven fucking thousand. How many people are going to be returned under Remain in Mexico this time around? But as you noted last time, there were 70,000 people who were placed in the program. They had to wait for months and months uh, for their hearings. And this, again, created a major humanitarian disaster because there were just so many people who were forced to remain in these dangerous places with really nowhere safe to go. So didn't a federal judge... I... Fucking depressing. While the Supreme Court still hearing arguments, it could be up to March before we we were going we're going to get a ruling on the Mississippi abortion law anytime between now and March because like the Supreme Court just be like that it's like whenever the fuck we feel like it. California is making plans to become an abortion sanctuary if Roe v. Wade is overturned. I don't know exactly what that means. Let's find out. State lawmakers may help pay for people from other states to come to California for abortions if the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Good guy California over here. Report released Wednesday by dozens of abortion providers and advocacy groups ask state policymakers to pay for things such as travel, lodging, and child care for those coming to California from other states. The report also asked lawmakers to reimburse abortion providers for procedures performed for patients who can't afford them. That includes patients who travel from other states that would otherwise qualify for the state's Medicaid program. I... 
there's gonna be a huge fucking backlash to this kind of legislation. That's for fucking sure. But apparently the report has the support of top legislative leaders and Governor Gavin Newsom. The report was released a week after the Supreme Court heard arguments regarding a landmark abortion case out of Mississippi that would uh, that has the potential to roll back the precedent set in Roe v. Wade. Legal analysts agree that the justice's line of questioning indicated that when the court issues a ruling later next year, it will allow states to take further action in restricting abortions. Almost certainly. My money's still on... They're going to allow this Mississippi law to stand. They're going to they're going to say that Roe still stands in theory, but it won't. All right, I've been warning about it all night. We're getting ready to go on a run of just shit that's going to hit you in the fucking gut. Content warning fuckers. Enjoy cop death. This is this is the show for you. Starting off first in New Mexico. This is from officer.com here. But the reason I used it is because the local story that they're citing here that has the information didn't have the video and they had the video and it also had the locals. So what we're reading from is the Albuquerque journal, which is reputable. They even cited the author here, but they, they put the video with it and we're on officer.com just cause I had the video handy. If I did that 18 year old who was shot by a Bruno Lilo Hold on. Burn a Lilo. Burn a Lilo. A Burn a Lilo County Sheriff's deputy late last month was holding an AR 15 pistol while running toward other deputies, officials said on Tuesday. As what they released the body camera video yesterday. Elijah Rich was taken to the hospital where he died. Deputy Ronald Perez, who shot Richie, has been with the BCSO for 10 years, and it was his first shooting, according to a sheriff's office spokeswoman. And he has returned to work, apparently, from being on administrative leave. This is the body camera video of the incident. Hello, I'm Bernalillo County Sheriff Manuel Gonzalez III. This critical incident... I don't want your commentary. ...involved shooting in the area. The deputy stopped behind the vehicle after the driver crashed into a fence at the intersection of Edith Boulevard and Aconda Road Northeast. There we see the car crashing into the fence. I don't I wanted you to just release the raw video footage, sir. I don't I don't need your commentary. With a firearm and fled on foot. The deputy exited his patrol unit and gave commands for the suspect to stop and drop his gun. The suspect ignored so he was the fleeing. commands and ran eastbound on Nakonda Road, armed with what appeared to be a rifle. An additional deputy arrived on the scene and followed the suspect. 
Well, it's, it's, the, it's the U.S. In this patrol unit. As the deputy approached, the suspect turned around and began running westbound. The deputy exited his patrol car and gave commands for the suspect to stop and drop the gun. The suspect again refused to comply and ran towards additional responding deputies with the firearm still in his hand. At that time, the deputy involved shooting occurred. One deputy fired one round, striking the suspect. After deputies performed life... One round? He was transported to the hospital and later pronounced deceased. I actually found that hard to believe. identified as Elijah Ritchie, an 18-year-old male and resident of Albuquerque, New Mexico. We will now share audio recordings from Just the... Just a little punk-ass kid. ...body-worn footage. Bernalillo County 911 with Sanderson. Hey, PD with a transfer. Go ahead, ma'am. Hi. We were in a car accident. Some guy just hit his head on. Hit multiple cars on Edith and Montaña. Okay. And a sheriff's officer took off following him, but I think we need some attention over here. Okay. How many vehicles are involved? Um, I don't even know. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe. Okay. And with... So the deputy oh. went following the person that left? Yes, because he, he was backing up and he hit us. He hit multiple cars, and then I could see it in his face. He kept, like, trying to move the car, but I don't, he looked pretty high or something. What kind of but vehicle was he in? He looked like a, like a red Subaru, maybe, uh, Outback. I think the cop got him. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, the cop got him. Which And which way did he go? He went, okay, let me see what direction are we sitting. We are headed north. He was headed south on Edith. It looks like two sheriffs just went. Thomas is 10-4. He was then on his way. We knew it was only 10-8. 270, you 10-4 over there? Oh, 10-4, head this way. 3 3 we're going to stand up to Edith at Montano for 8045 Fitner. We're going to put shots fired. We're at 5154 here, hardest units 3 We've got one subject still armed on the ground. We need 4355 to stand by. Another subject in a silver SUV also armed with a 1080. That's all units that I thought we were. The same Three five seven. So you can go ahead and add to that call as well. God, how much of the body camera footage are we actually going to see? It's going to be like ten seconds. So we got one mil down with a gunshot. Fuck you, pigs. Secure. I'm suspicious. Silver SUV that was on. I'll try and track them down. At this point, I don't believe we have anyone outstanding. Content warning, fuckers. Okay, the crash is happening off screen somewhere. We're not exactly seeing it. Cop pulling around.
That's, that's the footage we saw earlier. There's the cop we just saw pull around. He pulls over next to the car. I don't see the six cars that the caller said was involved. He is, he is running. Very fast, too. 10-4, head this way. I did not see a rifle, but it's very small. a backpack put it down now put it down put the gun down okay maybe he does have a rival put the gun down but he he did not have it as if they were one zero one so shots fired turn around turn around now Turn around! Yeah, totally begging for his life. Well, there's a little right punk now. ass kid begging for his life after he's been shot right here in front of us. Atrocious. Right there's now. no reason for cops to. He was no threat to him. We saw him show the rifle. Yes, he, he, he hey, pulled it up in here, the air. He did not have it as if he was aiming or shooting or anything. Keep your hands where we can see him, man. Absolutely disgusting. Stop right there, or you're going to be shot again. I'm sure they're going to go over and they're going to put... Don't reach for that gun. Do not reach for that gun. They're going to put cuffs on him, I'm sure. During the investigation, five firearms were recovered from the scene. Five! The suspect. It was illegal for him to be in possession of four out of the five firearms. When we have a deputy involved shooting. But one was legal. One, he was he was legally allowed to possess it even though he's a fucking kid. That's kind of weird if you ask me. Kyle Rittenhouse, legally allowed to possess the gun he had. That's kind of weird to me. Multiple investigations begin immediately. This incident is being investigated by the multi-agency task force shoot team this is an active and ongoing investigation. Like I'm sure you guys will find yourselves completely innocent. You did nothing wrong. Prosecutor to review the case. Additionally, our office will remain neutral throughout the investigation and internally mm -hmm. review and evaluate the actions of our deputies within our standard operating procedures. Oh, I'm sure you'll do it within your standard operating procedures, which is to cover your ass to lie do whatever you can to minimize the damage and make sure that nobody uh, gets justice from your department I was you know, in the build up I was willing to say well maybe maybe this was some threat to them maybe maybe this was justified he was no threat to them bullshit bullshit speaking of not being a threat Body cam video shows deputies shoot an 88-year-old armed former cop in his own home 
during a welfare check. Just reading the headline, I'm going to say it wasn't justified. I'm going to assume the 88-year-old man probably legally could have shot him. I think we're in Florida, aren't we? Yes, we are in Riverview, Florida. I would assume that the 88-year-old man was 100% legally within his rights to blast the fucking cop with a gun in his own home. Hillsborough uh, County deputy fatally shot an er elderly man who was once a police officer inside his own home on Tuesday in Riverview while attempting to do a welfare check. Investigators say a neighbor on Longcrest Drive called first responders just before 7.30 a.m. expressing concern about the well-being of the older man since identified by authorities as 88-year-old Ronald uh, Urich because she saw his garage door open and had not seen him in at least two days. The deputy arrived within minutes, met with the neighbor, and put on latex gloves, assuming Urich may have suffered a medical episode and needed her help. The deputy entered the home and began searching, announcing her presence along the way. Oh shit, let's see what the confrontation actually looks like. Once again, content warning fuckers. This is Florida, notorious stand-your-ground state. Does he have dogs or anything? I don't, I don't, don't think so. Wait, so, some nosy neighbor comes taking the cops over into the house. She had no right to be there. She just goes and barging in. Nice looking home. TV's a little low for my liking. I'd like to have it on a on a stand, but hey, it's a it's a nice TV. Got a sectional couch, and then you got like another love seat over there. It's a nice little pad he's got going on. Very clean. He's got a whole other like little like uh, like a den over here. Sheriff's office. Dude's got a really nice pad going on. Sheriff's office. I, a welfare check is just like fucking knock on the door though, right? Like I... It has definitely not come over and shoot the dude. I don't know how is it, how is he not respond at this time? Is he like wearing headphones or something? What the? Not have his hearing aid in. Sheriff's office.
Now, I'm assuming he's not standing behind the door with a fucking gun in his hand. Trying to ambush her. Like, where in the fuck is he? Sheriff's this office. This is very tense. Sheriff's officer. Oh, we get a response. It's Deputy Castillo. <laughs> okay, like he called her a bitch. He is fucking not happy about this. Not happy at all. Whoa, what the fuck? Sir, are you okay? This was yesterday morning. Sir, Sheriff's Office. It's a sheriff. Put your gun down. Put, it's a sheriff's officer. Oh shit! We can't see what's going on. Step up my ninety-four. Her, her camera's towards okay, the floor. Okay, stand right here. Put the gun down. Ten-four. Subjects armed. Hey, put your gun down, sir. Put your gun down. Sheriff's office. I'm not. I'm announcing myself. He's a, he's armed with a gun. Which is, which is his right? Sir, put the gun down, please. Hey, watch it when you come up the stairs. Sheriff's off, sir. Put the gun down, please. Yeah, she should have gone back down the stairs. Sir, I just want to make sure you're okay. Please put the gun down. Sir, please put the gun down. Sir. Sir, please put I the mean, gun down. Put your gun down. Sir. I mean, because honestly, he doesn't know that you're a cop. You're not in trouble. They just, we just want to make sure you're okay. Sir. Sir, put the gun down, please. I'll tell you what you do. No, no, no. Please put the gun down, sir. Come out in the open and sit down. Sir, put the gun down, please. Sit down or I'll blow you right out of Sir, the I don't want to do this. Please put the gun down. Sir, put the gun down, please. Hey, step it up. He's on the stairs with the gun. Oh, this is a... This is a... When you come up the stairs, he's going to be to your right. I'm going to be in the bedroom on the left side. Fuck. Put put the gun down, please. Listen, I sir, I just want to make sure you're okay. That is all. Your neighbor was concerned about you. Well, we're going to find out. That's it, sir. Nobody's in trouble, okay? Listen, nobody's in trouble. Sir, put the gun down. Sir. <laughs> Sir, put the gun down. You Sir! Shots fired. Shots fired. Subjects down. I don't know that he wasn't disoriented and didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, he didn't seem to be in the right state of mind. She shouldn't have been in there. There's no other way to describe this other than tragic sheriff. 
Pronister said the deputy went in to save a life, expecting to find someone experiencing a medical emergency. She made every attempt to de-escalate the situation before being forced to fire her weapon for her own safety. Ah. In response to questions surrounding Eric's hearing abilities, the sheriff's office said it was unable to disclose information on the man's medical history. I was unable to comment on Mr. Eric's medical history due to HIPAA and HSC, uh, HCSO spokesperson said in a statement, it is normal for our deputies to clearly and repeatedly announce themselves and make sure their presence as law enforcement is known. The Tampa Police Department confirms Eric was a police officer in the uh, 1970s. Years later, he served as a security officer at a now defunct bank. Authorities identified the law enforcement officer involved as Deputy uh, Anastasia Castillo, or Castilla, or Castillo, adding that she had worked with the agency since 2015 and had no internal affairs history. She was placed on paid administrative leave, which is protocol in these situations. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement was dispatched and will lead the independent investigation into the matter in accordance with uh, HCSO's policy. Yeah, wow, that was, fuck, that was tough. Poor dude. I don't, I don't even, I don't know what you do. Was, was the cop been the right to go snooping around the house? Cause yeah, he could have been laying in there. Face down with his cats eating his eyeballs out. That's possible. That's a thing that happens. Somebody's got to go in there and find somebody like that. But I don't know if a neighbor is just like, well, his garage door is open. And I haven't seen him in two days. I don't know if that's enough to let a cop go looking around in somebody's house with a gun. And it clearly had shitty fucking consequences. And I kind of, I kind of feel like the dude had every right to do what he did. Also, I wouldn't want a social worker to be there in that situation. But also, like, if she didn't draw a gun, but we couldn't see what was going on. I don't like. Did he come out and point a gun at her and then she pulled her gun? Well, see, that, like, you say that does it, but, like, I, I, like, I don't want anybody showing up at my fucking house, you know? I fucking... I've gone years without talking to my family, so, you know... <laughs> I don't want anybody to fucking... Now, if my, if my best friend calls me two nights in a row, I haven't seen many memes in the day. Yeah, send the cops over and do a welfare check. I assume they did. I assume we saw it, it cut in well into the... I I would hope they went around all the different windows, all the different doors and knocked. I would hope. Then again, you never know with fucking cops. I don't think we have video with this. 
Yeah, we don't. We have no indication of that. But I, I would assume protocol would be to walk around the entire house, knock on all the windows, knock on all the doors, announce yourself very loudly outside. They, it's called a cop knock for a reason because it's like boom, boom, boom. Because like if you're in the shower, it's gonna fucking shake the mirror in there in the in the bathroom. Should. Former new and fucking let me tell you the there was a crew trimming the trees in the parking lot of my apartment building. I had stayed up all night that night fucking working on something. Had went to bed at like fucking it, it was it was sunlight, and I'd went to bed because uh, I played video games for another couple hours. Dude's trimming the trees up in my parking lot. Comes cop knocks on my fucking door at like 9.30. After I've been in bed maybe an hour or so. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I came came in here and the dude was like, Hey, do you have a car? I'm like, I don't have a fucking car. No, no, no. He's like, do you own a, do you own a Explorer? That's what it was. Which is my, na- which is my neighbors that uh, have the fucking issue with sparkles. I have a, I have a neighbor I don't like very much. They're upstairs, <laughs> and that's their vehicle. Yes, I'm an adult. I'm allowed to stay up all fucking night. I've been weird, though. Like, I have been going to bed, like, not long after this show and waking up at, like, seven thirty, eight o'clock for, like, the last week. I think it started around Thanksgiving. Weird. Weird for me. Okay, back to our parade of cop death. That's also allowed, yes. But also, like, I'm, like I sleep just whenever. Like, you never know when I might be asleep. Sometimes I'm asleep when I'm supposed to be doing the show. It happens. I think it happened on Sunday this week. Just because, like, I went in the bedroom and Socks is laying in the bed. I'm like, oh, hey, Socks. Let me lay down with you for a second. And then, like, it's two hours later. Like, okay, I guess I'll watch a movie. I watched Spectre, by the way. James Bond flick. I was trying to catch up. I watched Skyfall a couple months back. Socrates! Where's the socks? He's not in either of his places right now. I don't see. I don't see any of the cats. Before before I was getting ready to start the show, I remember letting Smokey out, but I did not remember letting Smokey back in. So I opened the door. I was like, "Hey, Smokes, you out here?" And I kind of looked in the spots that he's usually sitting in out on the patio. There's no Smokey. Like oh okay, and I went in here, looked in the bed. Like he's not on the bed. He's not. He's not laying on my towels in the closet. He's not under the bed. I'm like huh, that's that's odd. He's not in any of his places. We got all the kids. All of them are in there in the bed or something, curled up together. Or maybe Smokes is still in the place I found him earlier. When like I went and turned on the porch lights and everything, because I'm like, come on, Smokey, you don't want to have to like you know, you're trying to get in while I'm I've got my headphones on. I turn the porch lights on. I see no smoky. No smoky whatsoever. 
I'm even looking up because sometimes he's climbing the screen and he's he's up towards the top and I don't see him because of that. Look all over the screen. Nope, there's no Smokey out there. Motherfucker was in here in the utility room. Like it's the innermost room and it's the warmest room in the apartment. Because it's cold. That's why I'm wearing the fucking... That's why I'm wearing the snowman bandana. It's fucking cold right now. He's in there fucking cuddled up on some like fucking old rags and shit that I keep up on a, on a shelf in there. Under, under a vent. We said, at least that's where he was earlier. Depends. Right now, it's probably about 69 or 70. While, when I take, I take all the clothes off and it's just me in my pajama pants and my wife beater and I'm laying on the couch, it's 72. When I'm asleep, it's like 67. I uh I like to I like to have no socks. My feet get really fucking chilly. It's like summertime there for you, isn't it? I miss ninety eight degree weather. Holy fuck. I miss summertime. I like summertime so much. Yeah, that is a little hot, but I would rather be hot than than cold. That's me. That's just me. I don't like being cold. I don't like being cold at all. And I got like low blood iron or I got like poor circulation or some shit. My feet get cold. My hands get cold. I like winter. I want like a month of snow. That's cool. But then like I just want it. I want, I want it to be spring and fall. Like I want it to be like fall, a month of snow spring when i say fall i mean like my my door open right now while i'm doing the show fall are you doing conversions for us are you doing like fahrenheit for me when you say 30 yeah like i was wondering because earlier you said like 104 that would be fucking scorching in Celsius, eighty-six. Okay, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the humidity is like where you're at. Eighty-six at night is horrendous here. I would not have my doors and windows open. It has to be like seventy-four for me to have like doors and windows open here, because like it's it's miserable, sticky ass heat. I'm glad we took a break from the cop death, to be honest with you guys, because I still got like three more stories of cop death. I can't do... Okay, so the other day when the cold front moved in, I left my window open because I... My favorite fucking thing in the world is to sit here with my headphones on, listen to music and work in the middle of the night, and have a cool breeze on the mountain. Absolutely love it. I walk out on the patio, I'll hit my bong, I'll lay on my couch up there on the patio, take a break from from doing work, come back in here, put my headphones back on. Fucking love it. Love it. In the bedroom, I have uh, double doors. There's like this door that leads out to the patio, and then the bedroom, there's double doors that open up out to the patio so like if they get such a nice breeze going through here it's my favorite fucking thing 
So, like, I, I was doing that the other night. Like, it was 66, 65, something like that. There's like a storm moving in, and the fucking the temperature, the pressure dropped, dropped like a fucking rock down to like 32 in the middle of the night. I woke up. My thermostat was on like 59 when I woke up, and for the next two weeks, I survived on fucking Advil because I had to. I had to pop like to do this show and sit in this chair. I had to pop an Advil. The free, if you were watching the freak show that night, it was the night after Thanksgiving. I get in the floor, and Sparkles blames it on the fact that we were drinking. We were drinking that Snoop Dogg wine, but no, I got in the floor because my goddamn knee hurt. And, like, I wanted to lay in the floor and take the pressure off of it. Oh, there's a Maynard. There's a Maynard. And he wandered in here. Where are my vacuum cleaners? I've I've been vacuuming. He wandered into the living room. What you doing, little buddy? I was rolling around with him on the bed before, before the show. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that at all. But he rough house like he rough houses the other cats. He'll just like jump on them, fucking like bite the backs of their necks and shit. So like I figured he would like to be rough housed and he would understand it. So like I'll roll around on the bed with him and I'll like I'll rub my rub my nose on his I know I'm really fucking weird. I'm really fucking weird. I weird middle aged man. I believe a socks just walked by. No, that's also a Maynard. I just saw fatness. I didn't know which cat it was because it was dark over there in that corner. Yeah, buddy. Hey. All right, let's let's refocus. Oh, they they fucking love the slow beat. They will they will have staring contests with me, especially socks. Socks loves to do that. A former New Orleans Saints player, Glenn Foster Jr., has died after his arrest in a fight involving police. I do not think we have footage of this. This also happened like yesterday or day before yesterday or some shit. This is ESPN's reporting uh, from earlier today. Arrested after reportedly driving twice the speed limit through a rural Alabama community, former NFL player Glenn Foster Jr. wound up in a jail where he allegedly beat up another prisoner while trying to steal socks, authorities said. Foster showed signs of mental instability during a court appearance, records show, and a judge ordered him held for an evaluation just hours before he died in custody. It was still a mystery on Wednesday exactly what caused Foster's death, and Alabama State Police said they were investigating. Foster's parents said he'd been diagnosed with mental problems, and they told the uh, Times-Picayune, the New Orleans advocate, that they fear their son might not have received proper care while he was in custody. Oh, I guarantee he didn't receive proper care while he was in custody. Can't get my son back, but we want whoever is responsible to pay for this. This is according to his mother, Sabrina Foster. We want justice for our son, said Foster's father, Glenn Foster Sr. It's unfair. It's inhumane. It's just not right. Police in Reform Alabama located about 90 miles west of Birmingham 
said in a news release that an officer caught Foster driving a black Jeep Wrangler 92 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone late on Friday. The Jeep sped up to get away and officers in the nearby town of Gordo put spike strips on the road to bust the tires, uh, the statement said. All over speeding. Once stopped, Foster was handcuffed without further problem. And like, was it on a road where like it was normally fucking 70 or some shit? And it drops down to 45 when you go through in some incorporated town. It's called a speed trap. They're incredibly common in the south. I don't know how common they are in the north. I assume people in the north have those as well. Once stopped, Foster was handcuffed without further problem and taken to the Pickens County Jail in Carrollton on charges of reckless endangerment, attempting to elude and resist arrest. He was healthy when he when we left him at the jail. This is according to Reform Police Chief Richard Black. Foster's family came to town on Saturday and made bond of the condition that police took him to Birmingham for any medical assessment that was needed, the statement said. But the Pickens County Sheriff's Office had placed a hold on Foster by Sunday when he allegedly beat another prisoner so badly while trying to take socks that the man needed medical attention. While being handcuffed, Foster fought against a Pickens County deputy and a correctional officer, injuring the deputy's nose and hand, according to court records obtained by the Associated Press. Foster had an initial court appearance before Pickens County District Judge Samuel Junkin, in which he was non-compliant and refused to respond to answer any questions. Aside from demanding an attorney, the judge wrote in an order on Monday. Um... That's his legal right to not answer any questions and demand an attorney. Literally, his legal right. I'm I'm getting a little pissed off at this. This is fucking fishy. I want to see some footage from this shit. Once again, I think this is another case of a man who needed help and got a death sentence from the government. Where's the fucking right-wingers that talk about government tyranny? A Florida Tech student from Clayton County was shot and killed by police on campus after a knife attack happened in Melbourne, Florida. We're hearing a, hey, Smokey, what's going on? You have a good nap? This is a local news hit. We can get some sound here. Exclusive. This is 18-year-old Olaji So from Riverdale. He was killed in a Florida Tech dorm room last night. Police say he was threatening people there with a knife. His family the tells us report he was from the fifth in the community and was an all-around good kid. Channel 2's Michelle Newell live in College Park tonight. Michelle, you spoke exclusively with his family, and amid this grief, they believe there's more to this story than what police are saying. I bet. We know so graduated from North Clayton High School. He was recently here visiting family. And as you mentioned, I did speak with them tonight. They have a lot of questions and they're planning on seeking legal counsel. This is Alaji So, 
an 18-year-old sophomore at the Florida Institute of Technology who was studying aeronautical science and was a tutor. It's a young guy that's very, very respectable to the community. And sound like he was incredibly bright. He was born. It's a lo- he's a good friend with my son. On Friday night, Melbourne police officers say they responded to... I like that dude. He was he was, was dressed really slick. Assaulting students at the Florida Institute of Technology. Police say as they confronted So inside of a dorm with Florida Tech security, So lunged at police with a weapon. A Melbourne police officer and a Florida Tech security officer shot So. Police say officers attempted life-saving measures on So, but he died. The president of Florida Tech sent a letter to students that reads... They probably put handcuffs on him, let him bleed out on the ground. I warn any loss of life while I... I mean, Jesus, he just had an eye? Fucking disarm him then. ...men and women who invest their lives in protecting us. So's family and loved ones want to hire an attorney, and they told me they want just... Do it! Everybody's shocked right now. When you say Elijah, they're like, no, it didn't happen. Up to now, I still don't believe it. This is happening. I don't believe it. We lost somebody in the community. It was a future leader coming up. Before So attended Florida Tech, he worked for Clayton County Youth Services as a lead data gathering specialist for the Smart Pedestrian Program. A representative sent us this statement that reads in part, he was mild-mannered, always Seriously? help others and enjoy to be around. He was a great... Goddamn, the kid was incredibly bright. Michelle Newell now back with us. He might have just been having a mental episode. Told us about what happened there. Fuck cops. We know the Melbourne police officer who was involved is a five-year veteran. We also know he did have an injury during the initial confrontation with So, but police won't specify what that injury is. We know there were no other injuries. As for the Florida Tech security officer, I reached won't out to specify. Officials. They are not releasing any additional information. Fishy. Him, All this is fishy. Want more answers, no doubt. Thank you, Michelle. Universities always are tight-lipped about investigations of shit that happens on campuses. I've seen it first fucking hand. Let's go now to our other major... (sighs) Up to Nashville. This is body cam footage released of a Metro Nashville police officer apparently shooting a young black man in the leg as he reached for a gun at an accident. It was a school resource officer, Byron Bolter, He left Hunter's Lane High School for the day when he approached a two-car crash. He stopped to assist those involved based on surveillance video from a nearby business. 20-year-old Rod Reed was driving erratically when he struck a Nissan Altima. When Officer Bolter arrived, paramedics were treating a mother and a daughter who had been traveling in the Altima. See exactly what goes on. Whoa, is anybody in here? Is anybody in here? Oh, 
messed up in there, man. Just go ahead and go. Go, go ahead and go, man. Stop! 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 Just stay down. Stay down. Can't even tell what the fuck. So apparently they're saying he reached for a gun that was in the car. Stop! 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 Just stay down. Stay down. Sit down. Sit down. Put your hands up, buddy. Put your hands up for me. It's okay. I got shots fired. It's not okay. I got shots fired. Uh, roll me some backup. Where are we right now? This is Dickerson and where? This is Dickerson and where? Just put your hands up for me, buddy. Dickerson. Why Why are the paramedics not... Do, well, I, I know they're attending people that were clearly injured in the wreck. God, this is the top one. It's okay, buddy. What cross street is that? Yeah, I got you, buddy. It said, uh, Old Dobson and Old Dickerson. Run me some 37, please. I don't understand why you shot him. Okay, where, where you hit? Where you hit? In my leg. Okay. In my leg. Okay. All right. Where, 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 where's the gun, buddy? Over there somewhere. I don't know, sir. Why'd you reach for it, kid? No, I was trying to get it out the car, sir. I know, man. Ah. Ah. Clearly, without any intention to hurt anybody, I think I fucking officer Boatler approached the driver's side door. Reed reached for a gun on the dashboard of the Camaro from the passenger side. Officer Bolter instructed Reed not to retrieve the weapon, but Reed continued to move toward the gun. Reed was transported to Vanderbilt University and is apparently in stable condition, so at least he fucking didn't die. Gun was recovered at the scene near the Camaro. The young girl seen in the body-worn camera was transported uh, to VUMC Pediatrics with minor injuries. Officer Boltler, a 16-year veteran of the forest, he is on routine administrative assignment at present. DBI is investigating this police shooting and will report its findings to the district attorney's office. Move on to opening statements and the beginning of witness testimony in the Kim Porter trial. This is the cop that shot Dante Wright in Minneapolis. The one that apparently mistook her taser for her gun. This is the mother of the victim taking the stand on behalf of the prosecution during today's testimony. He told me that he has been pulled over. And I asked him, um, I said, for what? And he said that the police officer said that he had an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror. 
So at that time, I told him, I said, well, you should take it down. And he said he already did. Um, and then he Over said, an air freshener. She pulled him over over an information. A kid is dead because you pulled him over about an air freshener. Seriously? About a fucking air freshener. And I told him to, um, when the police officer gets back to the window, to please hand him the, the phone so I can explain the, the insurance and give him my insurance policy that we haven't added it yet. When you talked to your son, Dante, how did he sound to you during that call? Um, he sounded nervous, scared. I bet. Um, he asked, you know... If he was in trouble, I said, no, I, you haven't done anything wrong. Um, and he just sounded really nervous. But I reassured him that it would be okay. Take your time. When he placed these calls to you, how were you receiving these calls? Was it through a cell phone network or some other way? It was through Facebook Messenger. It was voice calls. We were just, he um, didn't have phone service at the time, so he was calling through Facebook Messenger. And so after you had this initial conversation with your son, Dante, about wanting to talk to the officers, what happened after that? Um... I heard the police officer come back up to the window and asked, he asked Dante to step out of the vehicle and Dante asked, for what? Am I in trouble? And I heard the officer saying, you just put the phone down, step out of the vehicle and I'll let you know as soon as you step out of the vehicle. And then at that time, um, I heard the phone either being placed on an object, whether it was you know, dropped on the floor or placed on the dash, I'm not sure, but I could hear the phone being put down. And then I heard... I heard the officer telling Dante... No, I did, I did not see that footage, but that doesn't surprise me at all. No, I'm not. Don't... It sounded like he said, don't run. Dante said, no, I'm not. And then... I heard them say, somebody tell somebody to hang up the phone. And then that's all I heard. Did the phone disconnect? It did. After the phone disconnected and you heard what you described, what happened next? This is the nervous little little punk kid. I called back. It seemed like a hundred times, but I believe it was probably... Pulled over for a fucking air freshener. I kept calling, so finally I FaceTimed. Um, I would say just a... I don't know how much time lasts, maybe a minute or two. Um, and then a female answered the phone. Because it was FaceTime. And she was screaming. <laughs> And I was like, what's wrong? And she said that they shot him. And she faced the phone towards the driver's seat. You showed her? And my son was laying there. The cop fucking showed her? And he, he looked 
said. And then I heard somebody saying up the phone again. And it disconnected again. So after that phone call disconnected. Oh, no, wait, did he have somebody else in the car with him? Your son Dante. What did you do after that video call? I grabbed my um, grandson and I called my husband because he wasn't home. I said, they just shot Dante. And he said, what? And he said that they just shot him. And I said, I said they just shot him. The police officer just shot Dante. Um, they have no clue where they are. And I hung up with him. And then I called 911 because I needed to find out where my son was. I, I hope this cop rots. Ex-cop. But hey, are the police racist? Let's hear from Prager U. This is a video from a few years back. Just the truth. It just, it just happened to pop up on my timeline here. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this goes well with uh, what we're talking about tonight. Uh not to groups like Black Lives Matter. That's tragic for many reasons, not the least of which is that black lives are being lost as a result. When it comes to the subject of American police... Who the, who the hell is it? Heather McDonald of the uh, Thomas W. Smith... She's a Thomas W. Smith fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Who the fuck is she? She looks like Molly Shannon's, like, little sister that didn't have any talent. Of course, here is what we know. A recent deadly force study by Washington State University researcher Lois James found that police officers were less likely to shoot unarmed black suspects than unarmed white or Hispanic ones in simulated threat scenarios. Harvard economics professor Roland Fryer analyzed more than 1,000 officer-involved shootings across the country. He concluded that there is zero. Here's here's the thing about that statistic is like we know for a fact that cops are more likely to interact with people of color to begin with. So if you've got somebody who is unarmed and white, they're more likely to have been causing a ruckus or something to get the attention of the cops. Whereas, just like with Dante, we see that he was pulled over for having a fucking air freshener in his rearview mirror. We know cops pull over people of color more during the day. They've done the study because it evened out at night when they couldn't tell the color. But they definitely pulled people over of people of color more during the day. So, you're presenting a... a cherry-picked data set. Evidence of racial bias in police shootings. In Houston, he found that blacks were 24% less likely than whites to be shot by officers, even though the suspects were armed or violent. Does the truth matter? An analysis of the Washington Post's police shooting database and of federal crime statistics reveals that fully 12% of all whites and Hispanics who die of homicide 
are killed by cops. By contrast, only 4% of black homicide victims are killed by cops. But isn't it a sign of bias that blacks make up 26% of police shooting victims, but only 13% of the national population? Yes. It is not. And common sense suggests why. Police shootings occur more frequently where officers confront armed or violently resisting suspects. Those suspects are disproportionately black. According to the most recent study by the Department of Justice, although blacks were only about 15% of the population in the 75 largest counties in the U.S., they were charged with 62% of all robberies, 57% of murders, and 45% of assaults. Oh, wow. Are you saying they're over-policed? ...of all shootings, though they are only 23% of the city's population. Whites, by contrast... So is Prager saying they're inherently violent? ...in the city, though they are 34% of the population. New York's crime disparities are repeated in virtually every racially diverse city in America. The real problem facing inner-city black communities today is not the police, but criminals. In 2014, over 6,000 blacks were murdered, more than all white and Hispanic homicide victims combined. Who is killing them? Not the police and not white It's black on black crime. In fact, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. I've heard this statistic before and I've not been able to find lethal force tomorrow. It would where have they're citing it from. If somebody has that, I would love to death by homicide rate. get that info. In Chicago, through what they're citing the there. Six and a half months of 2016. That sounds preposterous to me. People Knowing how many cops are shot on the job, it sounds preposterous to me. The vast majority of the victims were black. During this same period, the Chicago police shot 12 people, all armed and dangerous. That's one half of 1% of all shootings. Does the truth matter? If it does, here's a truth worth pondering. There is no government... Does the truth matter, the Prager U. matter. ask rhetorically? The proactive policing revolution that began in the mid-1990s has dramatically brought down the inner-city murder rate and saved tens of... Of thousands Once again, I, I, there is significant data to say that it was removing the lead paint. As I write in my book, years earlier, that resulted in the drop in crime in the nineties. Black neighborhoods, thanks to the and also that Roe v. Wade attributed to the drop in crime because unwanted children that would be criminals. Homicides in 2015 rose anywhere from did not exist to commit that crime to 90 percent in Cleveland. Overall, in the nation's lead paint, lead and gasoline, homicides in 2015 rose 17 percent, a nearly unprecedented one-year spike. They really are just coming right out and saying it like blacks are inherently more violent, and not that there's external factors driving this. The type of policing that the ACLU. Progressive politicians and the Obama Justice Department denounce as racist. This is tragic because when the police refrain... Yes, over-policing is racist. ...lives are lost. Lost because of a myth. 
The best research and data reach this conclusion. There is no evidence that police are killing blacks just because they're black. You now have the truth. Does it matter? I will, I will agree with that statement. They are not killing black people just because they are black. They have a callous disregard for life, no matter who it is. They only give a shit about themselves, first and foremost. And because policing in this country focuses predominantly on poor communities, it disproportionately falls on people of color. And therefore, it is just a result of systematic racism. I love, I love, I love it when they bring up crime statistics. Because let's take drugs. Let's take drugs. Black people are no more likely to do drugs than white people. Black people are no more likely to do drugs than white people. This data bores it out. Yet they are prosecuted for it far more than white people are. There you go. That shows you your disparity. You got to do something where you where you can where you can control. Oh shit! I'm sorry, Molly Shannon, but the police—they uh, are not inherently racist, but racism is baked into the system. And the results of the system of policing and the way we train our police produce racial disparities. Does, does that does the truth matter to you? All right, here you go. I got my snow bandana on. Many parts of the country have seen snow. Here is an eagle in the National Conservation. Uh, training center. They've got a camera on the eagle's nest. Eagle keeping the nest warm. Where's this at? This is a this is a bald eagle. You've never seen snow? Wow, that's crazy. This is actually in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. This is video from Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Up in the mountains. Oh. Are eagles into this kind of weather? Like, uh, like I thought birds flew south for the winter. It looks kind of chilly though, and it doesn't it doesn't have any doesn't have a friend to share body heat with. It ain't got no cuddles. It's a majestic bird though. Oh, it had to shake the snow off. 
and then like reposition itself. They use fur and feathers from their kills to build a cozy. They are fucking deadly. It's a mean looking motherfucker. You don't want you don't want to fuck with it. Like seriously, its feathers are gorgeous. That is a beautiful fucking boor, uh, bird, but like when it turned its head towards the camera and looked at us, like it was like you don't want to fuck with me. If you be watching on Twitch, you're going to go hang out with Producer Dave and HK. It is Wednesday night, so it's time to kick it with the Intellectual Dollar Tree. They are already in the Galaxy Brain humidor. I see some Brett Weinstein. I see some fucking Heather. Fun is bound to ensue. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before we hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol Live.